0: Welcome to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast with Pete Fox, I'm Mathis, and uh, thanks to all you guys for listening. I find these kind of pods with people like Pete Fox, John Gregory, Eddie Cole, Jim Hale, etc., etc. down the line, really fascinating. Rich Taylor also, people who built something, people who created something, and as you'll hear, Fox Racing has been around my whole life, uh, I'm 42 years old. Used Fox Racing many, many times to go dirt bike riding. Read all the magazines with Fox Racing in it. And to continue in 2017, Fox Racing's around. So it's really interesting to me, all these industry titans' stories, how they started and what went on and what their thoughts are and how they built this brand and everything else. Now, this is the second podcast I've done with Pete. So go back to the archives. It's 2012. Dig up the first one. That gets into some more original deep stories and go back and listen to that one, and then team it with this one, and you'll be set on the story of uh, of Fox Racing and Pete Fox and everything else. Fascinating guy, and what's really cool is no matter how big the company's grown, no matter how wealthy he's gotten from Fox Racing, his family, they are motocross fans, first and simple. If you follow Pete on Instagram or Twitter, you can see that he loves it. He still lives and breathes it, and as you'll find out in this podcast, he's, he's a Star Wars fan too, which... I think it's cool also, because I'm into that. Why Gantz not? But I am. And, uh, yeah, real interesting guy. So here's part two of a podcast with uh, Pete Fox from Fox Racing. Thanks to Tony Blazer for the help in some of these questions. He went back and listened to the original one recently. I went back and listened to it the first time Pete and I were supposed to get together, but i have forgotten some of it, and uh, Blaze went back and... Uh, A little bit of refresher. So, some of these questions are his, some of these questions are mine, and uh, we'll do a part three down the line. But for now, please enjoy an icon in the sport, Pete Fox of Fox Racing. Thanks for listening, everybody. Fly Racing, Alpine Stars Protects. Enjoy the show.
1: A POP MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on PolbMX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The Original Moto Podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews, and race reviews. Introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis.
0: Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast presented by Alpine Stars Protects. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really appreciate it. Another great show lined up here. Uh, fantastic to have this man on. Flyracing.com. Please check him out, whether it's gear, whether it's helmets, watercraft, mountain bike, anything that you need for that kind of business. Flyracing.com has it. And speaking of apparel, uh, this man and his uh, comp- and his father and his brothers... Uh, built an incredible, uh, brilliant company that is still going strong today, and I'm happy to do a part two of this podcast. Fox Racing's Pete Fox, what's up, Pete? How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for doing nice this. Yeah, we. The first one was great, man. I still get people talking about how we, you know, how you gave the history of the company and all the great stories from RJ to Jeremy and everything else, and 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 so I'm thankful that uh, you you will do a part two. Yeah,
2: really fun to do these and uh as I mentioned my my dad recently listened to part 1 and he got a, a big kick out of it and, and uh so it's kind of good, even good for our, our family to li- listen to, <laughs> listen to each other talk which is cool.
0: Yeah, it's a great and I always said it in the first podcast too uh again you and your family grew Fox into a multi-million dollar business and surf and mountain bike and and, and skate and everything else and, and all the malls across you know, America and everything else, but at the heart, Pete Fox and the family, you guys are moto people and you never lost that. You know, I always, always thought that was really cool.
2: Yeah. First and foremost, always motocross, you know, um, if you, the you know, the history of the company, you know, that that's, you know, that was my dad's passion, um, from a young age. And he passed that passion on to my brothers and I, and, you know, we've been or involved in this sport and industry essentially our whole lives, and uh, it's a big part of. Uh, for me, it's a big part of. Um, you know, when I think about my own personal like identity and mm-hmm. friendships, and um, you know, just my time on this earth, uh, especially you know with, with some of the changes with the business and with my family's uh, associations with the business and things uh, it's really you know made me think about it even more and probably definitely appreciate it more than i ever have and um realize the the huge impact that it's had on on me and my family so very um both grateful for um for for what we've experienced and uh and very proud of some of the things we d- we've done together
0: Yeah, as you should be. Now, still a part owner, still on the board at Fox, but not really hands-on like you have been used to. And from people I've spoken to over the years, you know, whenever, if you were back in the day when you were a kid, and again, we covered this in the first podcast, back in the day when you're designing the zebra stripe pants or, or, or things for Jeremy or whether, you know, that kind of, business was taken away from you and you moved up in the company um you were always hands-on in everything athlete signings designs marketing everything else but now you're hands off a little bit so that could be either infuriating at times or maybe Mm -hmm. pete maybe it's um relieving uh relaxing and and you got off the the 100 mile per hour bullet train that maybe you were on uh which is it
2: yeah uh it's probably all of those things uh <laughs> different at different times you know it's a pro- it's a, really a process right. um with a, a lot of emotion throughout um so yeah you know going kind of looking at my personal timeline you know starting with uh being just very hands on creative um at a very young age uh you know 15 16 started doing some doing design and mm. um helping my dad with Athletes and some marketing and um you know then transitioning in my late teens and into early twenties doing all of it um all of the design and marketing for the company uh and then you know into my thirties and forties, taking more uh, of a kind of a managerial role in design mm-hmm. and doing less and less design over the years um, and then ultimately um you know taking the role of c e o after being co-president with my brother for quite a while which mm-hmm. was which was a lot of fun um then becoming uh, CEO and then uh you know most recently I transitioned back to just being part of the um uh, the design team uh and uh did that for like maybe the last year or so and I mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that and um that's you know it brought me back to what my initial passion yeah. was, and, and I sure realized how much I, I loved it then and still do. So um, that's my favorite thing, It's just the creative process, yeah. working with other creative people.
0: Yeah, that was always something I heard about you, was that, look, yeah, Pete's the CEO, Pete's running Fox Racing. But, man, he just really wants to design a cool building. He wants to design cool gear. He, that's your yeah. heart, and that's where, you know, when it goes back to when you were a kid, that's what you love to do
2: absolutely there's other people that can be better you know s- CEOs or um operators business operators but um especially in motocross you know mm-hmm. what very uh successful uh at uh you know just mm-hmm. from a creative standpoint uh whether it's product or marketing just yep. you know just click for me and then my experience with the uh, the business and the brand and the industry and the fans and being a fan myself, you know, just, I think, understanding, um, you know, how to connect with fans. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things I was thinking about actually recently uh, was having a conversation with a friend of mine who's been in the industry about as long as I have, Las Vegas Supercross a week ago. And, you know, uh, I was talking about how I think one of the things that I did that was maybe – a key to the success was that I wasn't, I never was, you know, I never really talked down to the motocross Mm -hmm. man or the consumer. I, I was always trying to elevate everything, um, you know, instead of just giving them what I knew that they, they wanted from every year, you know, previously, I was always trying to push it. Right. Um, uh, which, you know, some people weren't comfortable with, but I think that was a key part of, you know, it definitely was an important part of what I was doing creatively is um, always trying to elevate, um, you know, the the way that the industry looked and sure. felt not to the inside, um, but also to the outside world as well.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right, because uh, I've been doing these things on pulpamex.com. You sort of look back at gear companies, and I've talked to John Gregory, and I've talked to Eddie Cole, and of course, we saw Axel for a long time uh, come over here, yeah. and I agree at some point, somebody in the company doesn't take a fresh look, doesn't keep their eye on the ball necessarily, and again, I'm not talking bad about these guys. they were They were also giants in the industry world, but that's where Fox mm-hmm. was at one time, and through mm-hmm. yourself and, and Greg and, you know, reinventing it and thinking of new ideas and keeping your eye on the ball. Fox has remained relevant since, you know, the mid to late 70s and these other giants haven't. And so there's got to be something there. I like what you said. I, I think I agree. Yeah, yeah. every one of those brands that you
2: mentioned, you know, J, especially JT and Axo, um, both of those are the brands, you know, I was always a huge fan and admirer of. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had their... You know their um time as leaders uh kind of before fox uh when my brother and I were really young and I would say both of those probably had that same key ingredient that there were a few people at the the company that were visionary and um it can for sure be said about Axo and same with j t that they they were doing something new and exciting um that the sport hadn't seen before mm-hmm. um and they took risks you know um so uh especially you know Axel right before um we really started to come on strong Axel I was I was always in awe of, of uh, how much they were pushing it
0: mhm you know Um, we did see recently, uh, that you were involved with Kanye West Yeezy brand, uh, which is exciting. I think to see it, like all of us moto guys, you know, when we see the Fox shirt in Pacific Sun or, or a star stuff, even we're like, Hey, that's us. That's us. We're always excited to Mm -hmm. point that out to everybody, uh, us meaning motocross community. And when I saw that headline, I was like, wow, geez, that's a really big deal. Uh, First of all, can I get some of those shoes that everybody wants? And, and <laughs> no. Second of all I, I, I get asked that all the time. It's, I bet. I don't know anything about these, Pete. I'm forty two years old. Is, so yeah, um, very, very difficult. But uh how's that going? What happened with that and and working with Kanye and and, and everything else?
2: Yeah, so fantastic experience. Um Kanye uh reached out initially uh to me because He's a fan of uh, the sport, um, and definitely a big fan of the um, creative. Um, mm-hmm. He's an incredibly creative artist, um, and he's been a fan of you know the kind of the motocross design and aesthetic for for quite a while. Um, you know, early on uh, in talking with me, he was bringing up names like, you know, Ricky Carmichael. He was very familiar oh, geez. with yeah, yeah. very cool. <laughs> yeah, it was very cool. Right. Um, so he, he just wanted to somehow, um, you know, work together from a creative standpoint. And uh, so we started um, just purely creative and I got to know him over a uh, number of months. And and then, it, you know, it ultimately transitioned where he said, hey, will you come and help me uh, with my business? Uh, I really need some help. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have become uh, good friends at that point. Uh, and so I went and helped him, you know, establish a lot of the, you know, some fundamentals that he hadn't uh, had in place yet.
3: Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, and you know, one of the main things I'll say that, that uh, if anybody's interested is that I I think he is – without a doubt the most creative uh, human being that I've ever um, met or been around Um, and not only creative but also very very dedicated to creativity Um, if that makes sense like he just loves and believes in art and the creative process um, and the purity of it Um, and he dedicates himself to it like you know when I thought that I, that different times in my life that I was very dedicated and mm-hmm. creatively, and sure. um, you know that I pushed it, and people would tell me like, you know, you're too, you're being too much of a design snob, or you're being you know, <laughs> too dedicated to to the creative process, and we need to commercialize this a little bit more. Yeah. And um, you know, he's somebody who who absolutely never. Um, gives into that um he <laughs> is dedicated to the work and to the art uh, absolutely and so very inspiring um you know and, and uh i think that one of the reasons i wanted to say that is because anybody that maybe sees some of the headlines or maybe doesn't um you know, doesn't know what to think of him. Yeah, if you think of what you read or hear about him, and you think about it through maybe that lens of him being a very committed artist, uh, some of the, some uh, you know things would make more sense. Things start to make more sense in understanding him.
0: Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. run a rap guy at all. I just know the stuff from the headlines, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and probably a lot of people who are listening to this. That that's it. That's all they know. So that's
2: interesting. Yeah. So musically, and then you know. Mm-hmm. From his design of clothes or shoes, and all these all the other things that he works on, um, he loves you know architecture and just anything with design. I mean, he's truly a designer. He loves all all kinds of design. So, interesting very, that he dropped really
0: cool. he dropped car Carmichael's name, and interesting that he's like, hey, I like what the yeah. motocross supercross <laughs> guys are doing. You know, I if I, I said yeah. like, how would he get exposed to that? How would he know that? You know, because we're always begging our sport to get in the mainstream. We all want that, right? Um, so that's interesting. We uh,
2: yeah it's something that I've always wanted um there always has seemed to be throughout my life some level of resistance to that that there's um, you know there's some level of this a resistance to the sport becoming too mainstream yeah. it's kind of but then there's other people that that's oh. some people in the industry realize that that's so critical um and I've always felt that you know that's so critical to its um yeah. you know growth and, in in some ways its own very survival um as a sport so yeah. that's you, that's one of the interesting you know challenges that we've had, we had yeah you know my brother and I would always talk about
0: yeah i've always it blows me away too the the, ah, uh, Fo- I'll never buy Fox because they're in Sun. I- I'll never buy FMF because they're here, and you're like, but that's awesome, that's great, what- what's the problem with that? Like, I I, I don't understand, I only mm-hmm. can picture that perhaps in the mid-80s when NASCAR boomed mm-hmm. or early 90s NASCAR boomed, those fans had the mm-hmm. same sort of attitude, I would think, I don't know, but that's the only thing I can think of, you know?
2: So, yeah, so I always had a way of thinking about it, and I'd love to hear you, if you Challenge it or how you feel about it. Mm-hmm. Um, when people would say that, I always, I always like compared that to. Well, when it comes to like selling tickets to a Supercross, do you not want people to buy tickets to a Supercross? Do you want to keep that small so that <laughs> we have some rule where you have to actually own a motorcycle to be able to buy a ticket to come to a race? Yeah. is that how you do you want it? Is Yeah, is that the way you want it? And and because you think it'll know be a better experience for you um because you <laughs> right. know, the way i view it is that that won't be sustainable the sport won't be able to really sustain itself financially yeah
0: um i i agree yeah it's only family no families of four allowed just a just a dad, a father and a son that's it and they got to they got to show a photo of their dirt bike to get in I, i'm with you yeah. i mean yeah uh because i always you know,
2: I I like inclusivity when it comes to especially something that you know we I love the sport mm-hmm. and I know that if we don't get new people, fresh people coming into the sport and you know being part of it and supporting it, that um, you know, shoes it it, it 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 is possible that a couple of generations from now it could be gone.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um, speaking of, uh, riders. Ryan Dungey just clinched another Supercross title. It was an epic season. Uh, I saw a little bit of what you wrote on uh, on Twitter, or maybe it was your Instagram. Uh, I I I'm feel you. I agree with you a little bit on that. And I don't have a, a dog in this fight, Ryan Dungey. Uh, it was an exciting Vegas. Uh, he won another title for Fox. It, it, we're thinking he's going to retire, but regardless, Pete, he one time he wore one industries, and then he bailed two races into the season, and you guys snapped him up. And it seems like, like, what a business decision by you guys at Fox, by Ryan and his family to go with Fox. Like, how different history could have been. But uh, And now you did that, and now the guy's just, you know, just an icon, just a legend.
2: Yeah, the story of that, the behind the scenes on, on that, you know, I think it's one of the great stories of greatest um, <laughs> stories of of, you know, Fox's um history with with athletes but before we go into that I wanted to hear what your thoughts were I don't know which thing you were referring to I I wrote one thing on my Instagram about um you know I about Ryan I think being very uh underrated by fans um I think it's yeah
0: I was thinking of saying
2: uh, that that's because of his because he's so consistent that you kind of uh you know I, as a fan, when I was you know, as a pure fan, I love riders that win or crash, right? Right. Um, and it makes me want to be there. F- you know, I've always loved guys like that. That's you know, my first favorite rider was Bob Hanna, mm-hmm. uh, and that was you know Bob Hanna's style for sure. And that was RJ style before he really settled into becoming the champion. You know, back when mm-hmm. he was on a you know Yamaha and number seventeen, and even before that, he was really wild and Bradshaw mm-hmm. and. The list goes on. Right. Um, uh, and because, and that makes, you know, fans love that. And, um, and I love that, but uh, you know, what, what Ryan, Ryan's approach to being a racer is, uh, is pretty unique in, in how consistent he is, mm-hmm. but also how uh, many championships he has. Cause there's a lot of, consistent guys that you know consistently get four, third or fourth or fifth, yep. right? Yep. Um, but not really be able to achieve the title. So he's quite rare um, in that way. And I don't know for sure if he's, you know, uh, to say he's underrated. Uh, you know, it, uh, the reason I brought that up is because mm-hmm. sometimes I, I hear people, um, you know, say things that I, I didn't think were showing him the level of respect that he deserves for what, you know, four Supercross titles for um 450 outdoor titles, I mean, he's he's one of the, statistically, he's one of the greatest, you know?
0: Absolutely. Um, yeah, I saw the tweet from you that said, uh, uh, if Tomek's attempt to take Dungy out, what do you feel okay about winning the title that way? Wouldn't the AMA have penalized him? And I 100% agree. I think the, the AMA does step in there, because eventually, it gets a little wacky with just the repeated attempts, and they weren't dirty, they were just aggressive passing, talk about Hannah, talk about Bradshaw, mm-hmm. but eventually it's a little predatory where you're like okay you're trying to knock them down and you did and now now we got to get involved so i wasn't exactly sure on that strategy i've taken a beating from some of my listeners pete about that because they (laughs) thought it was great but i just don't know where exactly that was going to go but thankfully it was exciting (laughs) yeah so i i put that tweet out there just
2: because i wanted to have you know see what people said and i thought it was an interesting topic um not that i was trying to put across a specific point of view, but mm-hmm. you know, and I, t- it's funny, I had dinner with Carmichael a couple of nights ago mm-hmm. um, and we were talking about the, those main events and <laughs> um, talking about the, the difference between the two, you know? So on the two fifties, you know, Osborne was coming through the pack and when he made the, the the, pass, uh, the, the he was moving forward. Yes. Right. Yep. And, you know, to me, it didn't look like he was intentionally trying to take anyone out. He was definitely trying to make an aggressive path. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, who knows how tired he was and all those things. And so Carmichael and I definitely both agree that that is within the scope of, you know, aggressive racing. Um, and Carmichael brought up a good point, too. He said, you know, you got to give. It's important for anybody judging, uh, especially like the AMA, to uh give the riders a little more, um, uh, you know, leeway or Mm -hmm. scope when it's the championship race, you know? Um, and, and so we both agree that that's, that, that was perfectly fine, even though, you know, that went against a Fox rider. Um, and and I'm uh, totally fine with that. Um, and that's the way it should be, I think. The sport should be. Um, but in the 450s, you know, it, it's different because uh, the fact that, um, no, the you know, Eli wasn't trying to, you know, pass and move forward. He was yeah. – it reminded me of the chicken days for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was exactly. I mean, how many times did McCassard do stuff like that? Right. Where it would just, you know, slow down and be deliberate, like pretty – pretty deliberate in what he was doing. And <laughs> right. so I just brought up, you know, I was just wondering, it uh, just came into my mind, like, mm-hmm. you know, how would you, I don't know Eli enough to know how he would feel or anybody, how would any of us feel, you know, if that's the way that um, we won the title. I totally get like his frustration level because he, I mean, what he did this year was incredible. Yep. And, uh, you know, if anybody deserves to win the title, it's Eli with winning that many races, right? Well, absolutely. um mm. Yeah, I but feel like just, a, in my mind that would be a, not a that that would, you know, I th- that wouldn't be the way I'd want to win. I and think, then yeah. from an AMA standpoint, yeah. I would think you have to don't wouldn't they have to have I, had to step in and then and I, therefore maybe take the title away from them? and yeah. uh so maybe it wouldn't work no matter what. So I, I don't know. I, I, just, I think so. I,
0: yeah, I think AMA steps in. I think they're like, "Okay, listen. We'll give you the one time when you're going forward and going for the lead, but when you continue to wait for the guy, um we need mm-hmm. to do something." But anyways, um yeah, it was exciting. Exciting race is amazing. I don't think anybody who was there, Fantastic. you know, will will ever forget it. Um the and speaking of you brought that up about Joey Savacci, uh Mitch Payton's pro circuit team, they start with Axo, uh, they move into Thor, and then they were Thor forever. I think seventeen years or something, or fourteen years, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And they switched to Fox and you were one of the guys sort of leading that charge when you were there. Um it's still Pete weird to see them in Fox, but it's a natural um sort of progression for them, and you guys have done some cool stuff with them as well as a team. Um, it must be cool. nice a little feather to have uh, that Peyton squad after all these years uh, of racing against them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, Mitch's team, um, I mean, incredible um, history and legacy of success and championships, um, and I have to say it was the one – team the you know the one kind of entity mm-hmm. that i had uh um, kind of resigned myself <laughs> to thinking okay that's the one thing that i, I always wanted and we're just never going to get it yeah. um right <laughs> um, and then you know got very lucky and and that the opportunity um presented itself and so i was very directly involved mm-hmm. in, um, helping to put that deal together because uh, I valued it so much. And, um, so got to meet, uh, Mitch uh, a few times at his office and, um, and we talked it through and I'm very, very, uh, happy for, uh, for that partnership. You know, mm-hmm. it's a great team. Uh, it's, I think it to be great as long as, uh, Mitch is around doing it and, uh, it feels very natural to me now when I've, you know, it's funny that you just said, oh, all that, that time we weren't together because now, yeah. you know, I go to the yeah. races and I see the team. Well, of course, they're, they're, <laughs> it feels natural. And I always go over and say hi to Mitch because, you know, I've, always, I've known Mitch. And just because we didn't sponsor the team didn't yeah. mean that I wasn't friendly with Mitch. So um, it's, it feels good. And that's one of the cool things about the sport and the industry is um, the, it's all, you know, so tight and close. Everybody mm-hmm. knows each other. So Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it Very was a, it was a man. nice get. So, uh Chad Reed switched obviously to Fox this year from Shift, but w- I think everybody who knows this should know that Shift is a Fox owned company it started with Jeff Emig uh 1997, right? 96, 97. 97. I think 97 yeah, 97. Yeah. And for a long time Shift, I felt uh, the Fro stuff was great and then there was a few team deals with Geico in there, Factory Connection Honda. Uh, but really Chad Reed brought shift back i feel into you know a a regular conversation for did you see that shift stuff did you see that gear he wore chad tweeted about it talked about it very a- active on instant on social media as far as his colors and and his designs and it got to a point where in my group text we were just like yeah reads ge- reed's gear killed it again yep once again you yep. see chad's gear yep. did you see chad's like everyone was that that signing by yeah. Chad to get into Shift and sort of bringing it back—that was great. It was brilliant. Um, what, talk about that move a thank little you. bit. Yeah, thank you. So I, I can't remember how
2: much we covered uh, the history of uh, Shift in our last conversation, but I'll you know touch mm-hmm. on it real quick. And that yeah. um, you know Shift came about in '97 because my brother and I couldn't agree on the future of baggy pants. <laughs> um, you know, he thought that baggy pants were going to change uh, the sport, and he, and he believed that. And this is the quote I always tell repeat to him? As he said, you know, someday the Supergross champion will win. Um, <laughs> winner will be wearing baggy pants. I said, that is never
0: going to happen. <laughs> Let's call him. Let's call um, him. And see who's right.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was Greg that, right. that made that bold statement. So, uh, um, and so, so we decided to start shift so that we could, um, you know, develop not only baggy. Uh, pants with a different mm-hmm. brand, but also do some other, explore some other things creatively that were happening with the sport, um, with the free free ride movement, and you know it's kind of the beginning of the, the transition into the broader like X Games movement, and mm-hmm. you know making moto even more of a lifestyle. So. You know, I was uh, very, very focused on Shift for the first couple of years that mm-hmm. with Pro. Um, you know, I um, brought him, I talked him into signing with Shift and, um, you know, worked on you know, very directly on a lot of the product uh, for the first couple of years because I had to kind of prove it to my brother that I could yeah. make that thing work after <laughs> after the battle that we had. Um, but then, you know, right around, also right around that time, Fox was just really starting to take off um uh in a big way not only within the sport but you know a little bit broader as mm-hmm. well uh, you know towards the end of the 90s so uh we were just we were very successful and so um we brought some somebody else in uh to take over shift and run shift and uh we had you know, maybe two or three uh, two or three different people like at the helm uh mm-hmm. for a number of years and then You know, it uh, just wasn't during that period. It wasn't that exciting, um, Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really that um, all that successful. And we got to the point where we had the you know started having conversations: Are we gonna, you know, we gonna pull the plug on shift, uh, or are we gonna try to reinvent it again, or what are we gonna do with this thing? Um, And you know, so I came up with the idea of reimagining. the brand again um and you know bringing chad reed on um and so it was kind of almost going back to the 97 idea or i got back and very directly involved with it and uh and helping to pull an athlete in and I, i i feel the same way as you do that for those couple of years with chad that the the gear was fantastic um um, it really led in a lot of ways to the way gear has looked for the last number of years, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was great, and it seemed and like... Chad's,
2: a, yeah. Chad's an amazing guy.
0: It seemed like almost we had a... Geez, it might have been third or fourth Chad Reed rebirth now in his career, and Schiff's rebirth yeah. kind of came at the same time, right? He won a couple of races, he was uh, leading the points for a while, it was just this, yeah. this remarkable time. Um, yeah, it was really fun. It was wh-
2: really fun for me, and
0: Uh, i'm really
2: glad i got to work with with chad um directly because he's especially during that part of his career because he was so dedicated Mm -hmm. and so passionate about his racing and nobody that i can think of has put it on the line financially and career-wise the way that chad did uh, for those number of years that was huge balls
0: yeah absolutely um and, and, and I know him personally well. I, when I was a mechanic, he was on the team I was on for four years, and we've remained pretty good friends. Although at one time we didn't like each other because he, he threw his bike down on the ground, and I yelled at him when I was a mechanic. But, but we're mm. good now. Um, but uh, um, he speaks very highly of yourself and the company. And you know, oh, I, think he's, I think he's had some talks with different people about riding different teams over the years, but they have gear deals, and he's just like, nope, like just not going to happen. You know, he's just he he loves it. He loves mm-hmm. the brand. He loves everything you guys have done for him, and uh, and everything else. So I think that's, that's, you know, that says a lot, right there. He just doesn't doesn't want to wear anything else.
2: Yeah, I've, I feel very lucky to have um, been, you know, working with him during that phase in his career because um, it was ex- it was really exciting and and very inspirational mm-hmm.
0: um, to see see what he was doing. You know, he from a career standpoint. I mean McGrath, Bradshaw, R.J. Dungy – um there's been so many guys but Reed's on the Pantheon of Fox Racing Athletes, huh? I mean he's right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Um um oh, de- and we can go back to Dungey if yeah. you want to because I can well, tell that. Well what, what happened Can you get into that into the switch a little bit? I know it involved like monster licensing and all that and and Jay-Law but like <laughs> so, what as much so as you can get into it.
2: <laughs> Yeah, so I think I can probably tell it now. So sure, um not. So I'm trying to think back to exactly what the heck was happening with all the different athletes at the, at that time, I think we were in the, that was the year that we were, you know, losing James Stewart, mm-hmm. right? So, um, Carmichael, he he had retired and James was kind of the guy, but he was gonna, or my discussions with James weren't necessarily going that well. And, wasn't sure what was happening with him. And we definitely with Ricky retiring, we definitely also wanted, um, mm-hmm. you know, to find, and we always like to have kind of two strong guys, one that was at the top and one guy that was like, you know, coming up, coming yeah. up. And yeah. so, so with James, uh, you know, also wanted to have, um, you know, somebody else and was taking a really hard look at Ryan, uh, Dungy. And so, you know, the, the negotiations with, uh, James, Uh, didn't work out Um, he ended up you know going and doing something else and you know what so I was pushing very hard to sign Ryan and in the end Ryan wanted to go with um, one because you know he wanted to be uh, just part of what they had told him their program was going to be so so we lost out on, on on Ryan and uh, you know we were looking at other guys and and we took a look at j law um and we said you know j law uh, as you know um was incredibly exciting at that mm-hmm. point um, uh, and also you know high risk athlete and with a lot going on but also a lot of personality uh which is one of the formulas that you know we were always looking for sure. and had been successful with is You know, an athlete that was fast and had uh, a big personality. Mm -hmm. that was definitely J-Law at that
3: point. (laughs) Yes.
2: So, um, uh, but I will say that no, uh, the signing of uh, an athlete has never been so hard internally as the signing of J-Law because everybody was (laughs) freaked out about it. I mean, I had to, I was like a politician um, to pull that together. I had to go talk to like all the management of Fox, you know, and like get everybody, try to sway everybody's vote, right? Right. Um, uh, please support this idea. Uh, and so um, it's funny, as part of that, as part of going and kind of campaigning within the company, I, Ended up coming up with this list. I think it was about ten different um, items as a clause that were part of a clause for J Law that you know he he had to uh, not break one of these like ten commandments, right? right, right, but, right. <laughs> <laughs> um And or the contract could be voided. Um, and so uh, we ended up signing uh, uh-huh. signing him. And part of that was, you know, he had the the mo- Monster relationship and things, um, which wasn't really a big deal to us at the time, but it right. um, was a big deal to some of the other, some of our competitors because we weren't really we hadn't done a, a monster license at that point. Mm-hmm. Um and so uh so we had J Law and let's see, he raced one race in Fox, right? Yep. He raced just the season opener. Um, and, you know, I will say that going into the season opener, we had our hands full with, uh, with him. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, because, and the reason I, we had our hands full is because we're very hands-on with athletes. You know, when we sign an athlete, we get very, uh, we've always gotten very, very involved. Sure. Um, we don't just, you know, some people might think, oh, you just, you know, send gear and then you watch on TV what the how the guy does weighing your gear, but we're way more hands-on than that, um, you know, working with the athlete with um, not only with developing gear um, that we end up selling but also developing anything that unique that's special for them because yep. some riders have, you know, special needs, but then also, um, you know, within the pits working with the team and their trainers and things just to make yeah. sure that, um, you know, there's a good support system and we're part of it for the athlete. And I think any, any one of our top guys that you ever ask about that, they will, they'll absolutely say that that that's a factor in, in the relationship between Fox and, and the athlete. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we had our hands full with J law. Um, he, well, I think we had to warn him a few times, you know, cause he, he, he was uh violating some of those ten commandments <laughs> um I will say at one point, uh, I think it's okay to say this now at one point, we nobody could get hold of him for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was like bizarre, like yeah. you know, like, hey, we need to talk to him. We've got some photo shoots scheduled, and it took like a week for anyone to even get hold of him. Yeah. Nobody knew where he was, his phone wasn't working I mean. Supercross series is about it's, to start. It's
0: coming up, right? <laughs>
2: pretty, pretty bizarre behavior. Um, so he raced, ended up racing one race. It was, you might remember better than me. He raced one race in Fox. Is that correct? Yeah, I think it was. Oh, was it, think, it was two?
0: Was it U.S. Open or something? I think it was. So, no, he
2: raced. I know he raced. Uh, it might have been the U.S. Open, but then I, I'm almost certain that
0: he raced. Did he race Anaheim 1 in, no, in Fox? No, I think he was 1 by then. I remember... Okay. He needed some so it gear. So yeah. was or... Yeah, I think he was won by the opener.
2: Yeah. Okay, so if he was won by the opener, then um, – so, you know, the thing with transitioning for him, switching to one yeah. happened, I think, you know, a couple of days before the opener. Yep. Yeah. Because um, this
0: all happened very, very fast. Mm-hmm. So he went to the opener in one when he was supposed to be. Or he might have, or he might have raced the opener in Fox, but we're not exactly sure. I'm trying to find some Google some photos, but I can't find anything. But yeah,
2: yeah, Yeah. that's interesting. You might be right now that you say that um, it was either one race or no races, and he switched to one um, because you know we ended up, you know, pulling the contract (laughs) because of all the violations (laughs) that he had. Um, and you know we it's one of those things we we did it be, we had those in there because we wanted him to be successful and hey, if you're not gonna these are basic things that any right. you know any athlete is gonna be okay be perfectly fine yes. with these um if they're gonna be successful um and so he just violated too many, and we said, you know what this isn't gonna work um and so His uh, manager um, moved him over to One Industries, which happens to be the company that Brian Dungey had just signed uh, with, right? And those, Brian and Jason, J-Law at the time, were uh, like, (laughs) you know, fierce rivals. They didn't like each other at all, um, on or off the track. and. So after J Law showed up at Anaheim in one Industries, the same gear that Ryan was wearing, um, <laughs> uh, I think it was that very. It was either Monday or it, it might have even been like. The, sh- I, I the think, story goes I it was think after it was practice. From the
0: pits. Yes, it was. That's the I story. think you're right.
2: I, <laughs> now that I'm remembering, I think it was like after practice. Ryan's manager called me on the phone and said, "Hey, we have a big problem. J Law's wearing the same gear." <laughs> we were promised nothing like this would ever happen. Um, you know, can we talk? And I said, of course we can talk. Yeah. And so I think it was like Monday or Tuesday that we talked and, um, you know, they said, we definitely don't like what's happening. And they they say that one industry says that this is, you know, this is, we have to deal with it. Right. And, And so there for a moment, there was a, possibility that ryan was going to like you know sign with us and race the second race in fox yep. or whatever you know very quickly um but he wanted to make sure that he was you know very um very much following the the
0: contract in terms it. of yeah. his contract yeah. and so he raced
2: yep. he, he he followed it and nothing bad ever came about it but we very quickly um signed ryan to fox um because of J Law switching and yeah. um uh, the rest is is history and you know we're very very grateful and i know ryan and his family have said that they're they feel very um happy that all of that transpired because they've for a while his mom was saying the Fox was his good luck john because he started winning and didn't <laughs> stop well yeah you know, he really didn't athlete,
0: so. i know uh yeah. i know it's a sort of a like a it's a story in the pits with you know competing gear brands about like we could have got Dungeon too, and you know we 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 should have stepped up when he when he was unhappy with Juan, and Fox does it again. You know what I mean? They do it again. They take yeah. another superstar. You know?
2: So. Yeah. The reason I think that that worked the way it did is because you know I had put so much time mm-hmm. uh, and me and the and the rest of the guys on the. You know, team um, Beaker and everybody else that, yeah. that's at the company. We put in so much time trying to get him initially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before he may ultimately decided to go with uh, one, we really, um, you know, we did everything in our power to get him. And I thought we were going to get him because we had always been successful. Uh, you know, when we put our our hearts and minds yeah. to it, um, we always were able to get our, get the guy that we wanted. Um, and so I think it's because of all that work that when it was time for him to make a really quick decision, that um, you know I think that we were his the clear choice, and yeah. you know I don't, at least that's the way I like to think about
0: it. No, it's yeah. fantastic. It's worked out incredible. Um, the I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I love all the movies, um, and the Fox tie-in with Star Wars. You had a hand in that also. Uh, talk about that a little bit, how it came about, and 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 the design and everything else.
2: Yeah, I'm just like you, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Have been my entire life, um, and you know, such a Star Wars fan that you know. Hopefully, you agree that you know, episodes one, two, and three should just never be talked about. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree. And actually, terrible. and actually, I have another hot take, Pete. I, Pete. I think Rogue One was better than The Force Awakens. I really do. I, th- I thought Rogue One was you phenomenal. Do?
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. we disagree on okay, that. All right. I think Force Awakens is the best one. Really. Holy smokes! I think it's better. I think I used to think that Empire Strikes Back was the best, yeah. but I think Force Awakens is the best. I love the Ray and I love Ben. The characters of Ray and Ben, I think, are awesome. Like I mean, just everything about it. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It is. It's got the Star Wars magic, you know. Because to me, the Force is. It's all about the the Force and making the Force like feel very like real and spiritual and not mm-hmm. corny, right, um, which right. I think. Episodes one, two, and three. Did I actually I someday hope that somebody goes back and redoes episode three? Because I think the transition of uh, Anakin Skywalker to Darth Vader is one of the like could be the one of the most could- interesting things. I think they they missed a big opportunity.
0: Yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, although that might be the one of the only things that makes them the first. The second three, which is the first three, uh, bearable a little mm-hmm. bit is seeing that transformation and knowing how it goes. But mm-hmm. um, but I agree with you. Yeah, it did seem like again all those movies missed the mark. And you know I'm glad mm-hmm. I'm glad the Force Awakens. You know J J Abrams brought it brought it back and did a good job. And, and but did you like Rogue One? Not to get off too much on. A, I loved. No,
2: yeah, I loved Rogue yeah, yeah, One. Yeah, okay.
0: um, I, I loved
2: it. Uh, I'm super. I'm I'm, just, I'm thrilled that the you know Star Wars is back and that I mm-hmm. get to enjoy it. And you know I have um, two young kids and. Uh, you know, to be able to watch Star Wars with them is a, is right. really fun. You know, and to talk about it, and to see my kids playing Star Wars. You know, yeah. Over Christmas, I built Star Wars Legos oh, um, sweet. about like Millennium Falcon and a bunch of like the really cool Star Wars <laughs> ships and stuff. And oh, awesome! Built them for my kids, and they play with them all the time. It's really fun. Um, and so, yeah, the the Star Wars um, the collab that we did at Fox uh, we did with Star Wars is really fun for me personally, because of, uh, I was such a fan and that deal came together as part of the, you know, kind of a back behind the scenes business relationship with, uh, you know, one of the, um, ownership groups uh, that's now involved with Fox mm-hmm. and, uh, they opened the door for us. And then, um, the senior designer now at Fox, he and I, um, name's David, and and he and I, you know, got very personally involved in um, uh, working with the uh, Lucas people and the Disney people um, and finding out all of the rules and uh, (laughs) finding the scope of what we could and couldn't do. And um, it was, you know, it was very fun and thrilling for me, especially because this was, this all happened, you know, I'm trying to think, maybe six months or nine months before. Yep. the Force Awakens came out, and mm-hmm. so, you know, there was it was a lot of mystery around it, and some of the meetings, they would, you know, give us little hints <laughs> into what was happening yeah, and yeah. what the storyline was going to be, um, but it was all very fun and got, you know, got to go to Lucasfilm's uh, offices up in... Um, San Francisco and uh, to the Disney office up in LA and see those, which was, you know, super exciting for me as a, as a, you know, as a fan and also as a creative person to see that stuff.
0: Yeah. You're like trying to, you're you're like trying to keep it all in and act like totally professional, right. And try to act like, (laughs) Oh, I wanted
2: to take pictures of everything, but (laughs) I don't.
0: (laughs) Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the fly racing, Steve Mathis podcast on racer X. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time, and use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on, give your bike some love. All right. If you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department, experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech.
1: Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp & Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications.
3: Yeah, you like that?
1: In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin StarCross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin StarCross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin StarCross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin StarCross 5 tires yet... You're out of your mind. Dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows, they might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at MichelinMotorcycle.
0: Did you get to see all the, uh, <laughs> the um, props and everything in the, in the, in the shed? I got
2: to see a bunch of the, yep. the, a bunch of the props, yeah. Awesome. Um, up at lucas's and just to see that place i thought man in another life i'd love to work here you yeah know, it'd be so yep. cool
0: yeah absolutely right super cool um
2: yeah they had uh and um they had a really cool uh i think it's up at is it lucas or disney i think it's at disney though. a really cool mural of alice in wonderland like going up a stairwell that like maybe four floors and mm-hmm. That was super no. super fun to uh, see, um, but uh, so the creative process on that I think I feel really good about especially that the first one we did the R two D two helmet yeah uh, I think that the team did a fantastic job on that I wish that we had done more with the the marketing of it I had some ideas um, to to really do something fun with the, the marketing and. Um, but I just I wasn't there uh, around enough to be able to to really follow through with it. But
0: um,
2: but so that's my one regret. But other than that, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with you know how that all all worked out.
0: Yeah, it did seem like if anybody could get. A license to do Star Wars products, it would be Fox Racing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, maybe, yeah. Oak- maybe Oakley, Oakley and Fox, you know, could do something for Star Wars mm-hmm. in our industry. It seems like, an, you know, obviously, yeah, they were the, the
2: all the Lucas and Disney people were really excited to, for sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's very flattering and humbling to when you know people in these other industries are so familiar with, um, with talking the work of, that we've done.
0: Talking about Pro Circuit, and we'll bring this back around. I can't believe I didn't mention this when we were talking about Fox getting the Pro Circuit team. How did it go in 1999 when Ricky stayed Fox, rode for Pro Circuit Outdoors uh, back in the rig, and Mitch had a team deal? And you and I, you know, the first podcast uh, five, uh, four years ago uh, covers sort of the team deal sponsorships and that you did with Honda, you did with Yamaha. And uh, I remember at the time, if I can remember correctly, um, you know, you thought that it was a really cool idea and it was great for the sport. Well, here you are kind of breaking that mold by having your number one guy wear Fox. What was, was there tension then? How was that?
2: Well, there used to be incredible (laughs) tension between us and between Fox and (laughs) (laughs) post-circuit, you know, um, like incredible tension because we had so many of the guys that, that Mitch wanted, you know, we had Stewart, um, we had Raynard. I think Raynard was the, probably Raynard was the first guy that they really wanted that, um, that we had under contract and then James. Um, and so we were always kind of battling over stuff like that. Um, and that's, you know, I think the, one of the key reasons why James ended up, he skipped the pro circuit team and went straight to factory is because of our deal. Um, cause we had such a big long-term deal with James, um, from such a young age. So with Ricky, my memory is, and correct me if I'm wrong, my memory is that, that, um, we had a long-term, a pretty long-term contract with Ricky mm-hmm. that definitely went into, that extended into him turning pro, and my memory is talking to Ricky, um, and he said, hey, I need to sign with Pro Circuit, it's the best deal that I can get, right. um and the, the best bike, and that's the bike I need to win on. And, uh, but I need to, I need to leave and, and switch to, uh, to the team gear, which right. was Axel at the Axel, time, yeah. right? Yep. And my memory is that he said, okay, uh, yeah, we'll let you do it. But, it, you know, at some point when you, when you're out of your Axel, when mm-hmm. you're out of the team deal that you, you promise that you're going to come back, um, you know, um, we had such a good relationship yeah. that, you know, I think he would have come back, you know, without mm-hmm. the promise, but it was always nice to get the promise too, right? <laughs> um, and so I i can't remember how many years, did two years go two by year, where he yeah. was playing that? And, two years and, of action. yep. Yeah, and then when they switched to Thor, when, when when the pro circuit team was switching from Thor, I mean from Axel, Axel to Thor. Thor, that that gave a little bit of a uh, you know, there was some te- legal technical contract uh, opening where he uh, was able to switch to Fox while the rest of the team switched to Thor, and so um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Mitch is for stoked
2: that, for that season, <laughs> right. Yeah, Mitch is oh, super so stoked, stoked. I bet. Um, yeah, because I mean, watching Ricky, like, I mean, Ricky. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, is there anybody more excited, who is more exciting to watch race a motorcycle than Ricky I
0: mean, Actually, holy cow! Actually, there was, there was, and that's my next topic. Uh, James Stewart. James Stewart. <laughs> okay. Honestly, yes, yeah, I, we we started point. my show a couple of weeks ago. James hasn't raced, you know, for a while. We don't know what he's doing. His name mm-hmm. came up on my show a few weeks ago. I spent twenty minutes, Pete, talking about James Stewart, the things he did, the things I saw, uh, how I don't know if there'll ever be anybody to ride a motorcycle faster. And at one point, I remember thinking, like, he's so not even relevant. Unfortunately, he's not relevant in our sport. And I'm still talking about him, but let's, let's get mm-hmm. your thoughts on him. Look, he, I understand he lived with you uh, for a long time when he was younger. Uh, he left you for answer, like you said, in the end of the, uh, I forget, 2010 maybe. Um, now he's, of course, he got suspended for the year for, for, uh, by the, by WADA, uh, came back, kind of, kind of the shell of him, former self. Now we understand he may race again, he may not it's up in the air have you spoken to him and what's your thoughts on the end of james stewart's career here
2: um well let's going back Mm -hmm. absolutely one of if not the most exciting um you know people to ever throw a leg over a motorcycle right Uh, absolutely unbelievable and and like without a without a doubt, I think the most um like revolutionary uh mm-hmm. in riding technique right yep. yep every generation, every new champion that comes up brings something new um you know whether it's jeremy or Ricky or the, there's always some um something that they're doing different that the guy before them wasn't, and that's one of the reasons why they win um but James like you know took it to a whole nother level um and then what's even was even greater for us as fans is the fact that a guy like James Stewart was racing against a guy like Ricky Carmichael. Right. we going to give it right back to him, you know, Yep. <clears throat> they would hold it wide open just like he would. So, um, cause it could have easily been somebody who was, uh, you know, not at, Ricky Carmichael's level and and it would would have been pretty easy for James and maybe we wouldn't have seen those, the fireworks. I mean, when those two guys went at it, it was
0: yeah,
2: some of the greatest racing of all time. Right.
0: Right. Absolutely.
2: Just awesome. Um, And so, yeah, for me, I mean, personally with James was, um, you know, I had a very, uh strong friendship with James from a very young age I always felt you know i felt that he was like my little brother is the way I felt about him um, uh you know very involved um personally uh with a lot of things that were happening with his life um back in those early days and so you know more than more than a lot that, yeah. that um you know the him not being a fox guy really it was, was hard for me and for a lot of other people to to uh, you know come to yeah. terms with um, but
0: uh I mean was it ultimately uh, when he, when when James walked away was it ultimately about money was there something else cuz I I got to think that was it at some point you just said I mean, we we can't do yeah. this or something I don't know <laughs> Yeah, I
2: mean, from my perspective, my understanding is that it was, yep. it was money, right. that it was about money.
0: Okay, yeah, because I can't imagine any other reason. You you guys have been supporting him, you and him were such friends, and look, whatever, it, it's business. You, you know that better than most people out there about you know the way business works, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. So yeah, just money and whatever, that happens. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, we're at now, I hate to see, I hope he comes back in races, I hope he wants to, I mean, he's he's a father now, and to see him, I mean, I guess, like, Davey Coombs and I talk about it here and there, and Davey always has this saying where, like, things end because things go badly, you know, like, that's not, not (laughs) nothing. like, things don't end great, like, you know what I mean, that's why they end, because it's going badly, and he and not everybody's Ricky Carmichael, who literally won just about every race outdoors. I think he did. Oh, my God. I
2: hate that quote from Davey. It's so
0: <laughs> it's totally,
2: harsh, but it's so
0: true. But it's God, so true, right? <laughs> um, Davey's just like, that's why things end, because things are going badly. And I'm like, yeah, yeah um, I guess. Like, any athlete, any any business, any anything in life, yeah. a marriage or anything, you know? So yeah. um, I guess that's the way it's got to go. But, I, man, I hate it, Pete. I don't like it.
2: No, like the the end of you know the parent end or the, the you know the last few years of his career. It's uh, you know it's as a fan of the sport and a fan of him. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely not what we would all hope, right? Um, no, nope. for somebody with his talent to have it kind of go that way. It's uh, it's really you know sad. Yeah. I think yeah. you know. Yeah,
0: I agree. I, I agree. I hope he comes out ready to race and we see a little bit glimpses here and there but um, you know whatever I mean we'll always yeah. have the memory. I mean, I,
2: you know? <laughs> I just hope that he's happy um, sure. you know I haven't spoken to him in a while yeah. I'm trying to think when I talked to him last I, I saw his dad I talked to his dad for a while in uh, Vegas okay. you know, a week ago um, it was always great to see him I, I remember seeing his mom and his wife um, sometime last year at a race okay. Um you know, I see Malcolm from time to time whenever right. I can whenever I happen to see him in the pits or something and you know, the friendship is always there. Um, haven't seen James in, in a while. I can't even remember now exactly when. But uh you know, when I think about him I just I hope that he's happy and um I do hope I get to see him and just mm-hmm. as a person at some point and yeah. talk about life again. Absolutely. Um but, you know, I'm very happy for him. He's, you know, married with a, with a child, and I know how, you know, having children is the greatest thing in the world. And and I'm sure that, uh, you know, it's had a big effect on him, and, um, and he's, uh, he's got to be, you know, from the things I hear, he's he's thrilled with being a, a parent, yeah. and uh, he's dedicated to it. And, you know, as a fan of the sport, I, God, I'd love to be watching him race. But on the other hand, you know, I I'm hoping for him. I'm hoping for success for him, you know, in the rest of his life. So,
0: Um, okay, you you've had a hand in, or you designed directly some of the coolest shit we've ever seen in the sport, Uh, um, from the Roost two chest protector to the Zebra pants to Mm -hmm. the Thinker ads to the to the to the uh, uh, Stewart stuff. To I mean, you name it. Okay, so Mm -hmm. now having said all that, Pete, what's something? that another company did over the years that you said, man, I wish I would have designed that, or man, that looks good. Is there anything that comes to mind? Oh, uh, oh there's a lot of things that come to mind. Oh, okay.
2: Because uh, it was, and uh, the reason it comes to mind is because I'm, you know, I would imagine other designers feel the same, but um, hopefully about some things that I did, but, you know, uh, that stuff always in, excited and inspired me. And, and I was, you know, as a designer or creative person, I was also pretty competitive and I always wanted to, sure. you know, when I saw somebody do something cool, I'm like, she, I need to do, I need to make something at least that cool. You know, right, right. we need to be cool. We need to do something exciting. So, you know, from a creative standpoint, from a marketing standpoint, at least, uh, you know, um, I, I would think, uh, thinking back on it, um, there's been. And I don't. I've never really thought this through. It's a great question. I'm glad you brought it up because when it comes to product design, there've mm-hmm. been a lot of examples of great things that have happened in the sport. When it comes to marketing, um, especially, you know, when you think historically, marketing was almost always print. You yep. would you yep. would think of print advertising and. Mm-hmm. Uh, or videos right and um from a marketing standpoint i don't think that there's been as much um i think it's been somewhat disappointing mm-hmm. um marketing i always felt like i and that was always one area i thought man i can no i can this is, yeah. smoke everybody like, this i is, can smoke everybody a- from a marketing <laughs> standpoint yeah. Not maybe as easy to to make um, products that um, smoke to everybody, right? Um, so historically, I mean, you go back to the Scott boot was revolutionary and the coolest thing in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and some of the. Um, Let's see, like the you know, early go- Oakley goggles yeah. and
0: things. The uh, V2000 for more, me. Yeah, the, the V2000, I thought, at the time when it came out, it, it blew my wig back. The whole JT, that that
2: era of JT when they stole Bailey from us and JT mm-hmm. with the sheen and everything, that gear and the yeah. Vin, Scott Venturi face mask, I mean, <laughs> right. that is it's, just as good as it gets, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. The gear back then was amazing. The, all the V-series. Uh, was it the V series of
0: the? There was a V, yeah, the, V five hundred,
2: V one thousand, V two thousand. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I was getting confused because of some of our <laughs> our naming, but <laughs> right. uh, their chest protectors and their helmet, the ALS helmet. I mean, that stuff yeah. just spectacular. And you know, especially for me as a, a kid, I thought, man, we can. I don't even know how they're doing that.
3: How are they designing <laughs> <Right>. this stuff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um,
2: and then when G- Axo came around, I mean, Axo gra the you know the plastic kidney belt was a revolution that mm-hmm. like completely changed that company um and then the you know the stuff that Kenny Safford was doing graphically at the time with the splatters and all that was so and the color he was doing um was and I was a huge fan of that stuff. Um, it was super cool. That's yeah, right? funny. I, uh, was...
0: I'm actually staring at an ALS two in my studio here. I I traded a guy for one. Just I'm like, I got to have that helmet in my studio. Like, I just got to have it. Just it's it's so <laughs> it was so epic when it came out. You know, it was yeah. incredible. And so
2: so I have a you know some some I've been collecting you know box memorabilia that mm-hmm. we didn't have so much of, uh, and as part of that I've. Uh, collected a number of jt and exo products oh have um, you really huh? i've got them in
0: <laughs> yeah i've got them in storage at fox that's, that's um, awesome. warehouse somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah i have a v2000 i have the als2 i got a set of flexons sitting around here somewhere not that they were great but they were kind of cool um yeah interesting that uh, yeah, you're into that too um i wouldn't mind yeah. i wouldn't mind getting a roost too man those are great Those were fantastic. Yeah, the Roost
2: 2 was, yeah, that was a very successful product. That was a really good one. Um, From a marketing standpoint, you know, then the, so, you know, the print ads that um, I did with, you know, the Henry ad and then the RJ Thinker ad and the Dream On um, campaign, you know, I loved all that stuff. Did some really good things with just about every one of our athletes. I always felt very obligated to, to make something great for those for the athletes to mm-hmm. help elevate them and you know show them this is why you sign with us cuz I'm I'm going right. to be able to bring this level yeah with creativity um you know and enhance your image um and then the videos that we did you know that from the terra terraform yeah. series and stuff um you know I can't now thinking about it you know besides uh, you know, the terraformas and the crusty demons, the dirt the, none of the other, you know, gear brands really um did anything that I can think of that came anywhere close to
0: no, no. terraformas
2: or the crusties.
0: No, I, I agree. Um t- talking about Davy again, he told me one of the stories he wants to do and he was involved in this. Uh, he wants, uh, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't spill the beans publicly, but I screw it. He never listens to these things. But <laughs> Davey said, I want to do a story on the Hawaiian Supercross that I went over to uh, that the Fox Brothers promoted. Uh, what I remember this in the magazines, or uh, maybe it was Hawaii, maybe it was Acapulco. Was that, is that Hawaii? I don't even so there know. Was
2: Aca, there was Acapulco. Hawaii we took, um, okay. there was a number of years when the season ended, we would take our team our um, and he, we would invite um, the um, our motocross team, anyone that was up for it. Okay, we'd invite them over to Hawaii, and we would, um, you know, ride um, at Kahuku and Oahu, and um, and then surf. Uh, yeah. And that was, you know, that's some of the early days when people think, well, how did you end up getting involved with surf and some wakeboarding and these other sports? So our motocross athletes were were involved. They loved that stuff, you know. So we would. Um, they loved the sport, and then they, you know, they were friends with uh, athletes in those sports. So we would, you know, in the early days, we would t- go over to Hawaii with the guys and, um, you know, Wyndham and Can you imagine Henry and Dowd mean? and Arge- I mean, uh, yeah. McGrath, McGrath and those guys. I- and came, a stink a few times even when he wasn't one of our <laughs> <He> <laughs>
0: athletes. Fro was down yeah, for a good and, time. <laughs>
2: uh, and we'd ride, and then we'd go surfing with guys like you know Sunny Garcia and Kalani Rob, and the guys that were really into moto and. So there was that, you know, that cross pollinization of ideas, and um, you know, that's right. kind of le- ultimately led into some of the the Fox Surf stuff uh, back ima- then.
0: Can you imagine, um, Pete? Uh, hold on. Can you imagine Pete trying now? Okay. Hey, so Dungey and RV and Eli. Okay, we're all going to Hawaii, everybody. And can, everybody. Mm-hmm. Ca- oh God, can, I can't even imagine like getting you know, a team of Man, guys together. Right.
2: Yeah. It'd be impossible. Yeah. We were so, it's, it, it when you think about that, yeah, it's a great point. I uh, <laughs> was so lucky. It was so fun, you know? Uh So, especially looking back on it, we look at the pictures we have, we got some really good pictures of, uh, as you can imagine, of Wyndham oh. um, back in those days. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Um So, okay. So the Acapulco is what guy. I, the Acapulco then is what I was thinking. Davy. Wants to write this story on this this race. Uh, tell tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, uh, to really do the story, there's a number of people to talk to to get all the memories. Um, <laughs> I can't quite even remember what year it was, but so our distributor at the time, our, uh, the Fox distributor in Mexico, um, his name was Tommy Rios. He's been involved his, in the sport for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, his son races a lot. Uh, you might know him, uh, races at Loretta's, I know. And, um, uh, you know, Tommy went on to be an executive at Oakley and then uh, an executive at Under Armour and, you know, has, yeah. has had a successful career. And, and so he was kind of crazy like we were back then, like, hey, here's an idea, let's, like, make <laughs> something cool happen, you know. Um, there was a lot of that back then, you know. Yeah. Here's an idea, let's just go let's for do it. it. Right. Um not really sure what's going to happen but it seems like it'll be fun um and so yeah we a bunch of us went down to acapulco um Tommy arranged uh some uh some air, a land, some area of land next to this new resort that it opened okay. and my vague memory and you know a bunch of us went down there and we there's photos of us like Digging, you know, digging the track by hand with shovels. And stuff cause, you know, we didn't have any tractors. Um, like literally, shovel yeah, yeah. Of shovels, shovels uh, for a few days building this track. And it was, uh, I'm trying to remember who raced it. I know it was Raynard Ch- was there and Chicken. The main photo yeah. is Chicken
0: and Mickey Diamond. And Raynard was yeah. 16 or 15 at the time. Um, yeah, I might have been, might have been Dean Matson, who was actually, yeah. Dean Matson has resurfaced in my life lately. By the way, Pete, uh, he lives—he oh, really? lives here in Vegas. Yeah, he's back in my life. He wants—oh, really? Yeah, he's gotten—gotten gotten into riding again. So Dean's around. Um, oh my god! Or maybe it was Somo. Maybe I make—maybe it was Somo and not, not Dean. But uh, I get Somo and Dean mixed up. But uh, yeah, it was. It, yeah. So Coombs is like, I got to do the story on this thing. It, it was phenomenal. But it sounds like nobody can probably remember it. <laughs> no, I think you get enough guys. My my memory not as good as my brothers. Right. And then Todd
2: Hicks was right there, and Todd's got a great memory. So, <laughs> um, between Davy, Todd Hicks, and yeah. a couple of my brothers, they could uh, put it together, all piece it together. Um, but yeah, that w- that would be a cool story because that was that was something that was pretty fun, and maybe hopefully would inspire somebody now to, you know. That's, I just, I hope more people get inspired to, like, just try new things, you know?
0: Yeah, well, the economy's getting better. You know, for a long time, a lot of companies were hit really hard by, you know, people mm-hmm. not buying dirt bikes and, and sort of the world economy turning, and I feel like if you go by my kind of stuff, my shows and things like that, I feel like things are getting into a better spot, more people are mm-hmm. are buying gear and clothes and stuff, and so maybe that's part of it also, you
2: know, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. The economy uh, hasn't been great um, for for a lot of people, and not for for motocross. Um, yeah. But you know, at the same time, I would say that things like the Acapulco Supercross, we weren't doing it with a big budget yeah. or anything. We were yeah. like low budget. We were out there with shovels, <laughs> as true. I said, like digging it ourselves, and you know, just trying to have fun. And luckily, the athletes came down there and mm-hmm. raced for uh, you know basically nothing, and um, just kind of a good time and you know, so you can do some cool stuff without spending a lot of money. Um, you just gotta have the will, I guess, yeah. um, and the idea. Um, but it's you know, as you said, I'm. It's nice to you know, I, I'm rooting for the sport and for the economy and that we you know globally we, that we, you know, mm-hmm. can keep this
0: going. Um, okay, so you get to go in a time machine and bring back one guy to never ever leave Fox, a uh, Stu. RJ, Bradshaw, McGrath, Pastrana, one guy that should have never left Fox and, and you would have just made it happen and, and, and everything else because all all those guys are icons and they all wore Fox at one time or another. Um, It's somebody that, that
2: left Fox said if I could make it yeah. so that they never left so Fox. So they
0: were Fox for, for life.
2: Well, the trick with that is that uh, you know some people only left for a short period of time when they left and they weren't successful, so I could be very right, you know right. strategic with with my answer
3: I like um, it. I'm thinking
0: about it I like it yeah
2: because yeah because the the most meaningful one i think uh would be McGrath right because yeah. when he he left and he continued to be very successful um you know Carmichael. Uh, would be the other one but you know he was gone for a little while yeah. but you know we we were with we were together during the, like the the peak sure. part of his the majority of his career and also you know some of the, the
0: peak so yeah i don't count rc cuz he he oh you said he was always coming back i think everybody knew that and he did go back and yeah. and all that so I, you know i i didn't put him in the list rc would be the
2: one that i if i if your question was yeah. the guy that you,
0: you know i mean it's such a tough
2: question cuz each one of those guys RJ between R.J. McGrath and Carmichael and, mm-hmm. and, you know, even now Dungy, like, you know, so important to the um, company and so much fun to work with. And, you know, and, you know, when I say so much fun to work with it, the, it, the key there is that they, those guys like really inspired me and the rest of the team to step up our game, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's a big factor. Um, you know, I'm sure if you're, you know doing a job at some football team, and if you've got Tom Brady as your quarterback, you're working harder than any other team right because yeah. you've got tom brady yeah. um and so there's definitely that's a huge factor um so I mean the answer to your question I think would be McGrath because when because of the fact that when he left he had such a significant uh career mm-hmm. separate from yeah. from fox yeah.
0: um um yes. Yeah, Good answer, I think. Um, And for people who want to, again, go back, listen to the, I'll I'll put the link to the old podcast, but Pete's story of getting RJ away from Cinesalo and being 16 years old in San Diego is a must listen to. uh, I still laugh where RJ is like, hey, drive my car home. And you're like, I don't have a license, dude. So yeah. <laughs> I love that story. But uh so go back everybody listen to part 1 if you have not yet and and Pete gets into all that kind of stuff. Um is there is there a product you talk about this storage you have at Fox? Is there a product there that you designed, you worked on that never got released for one reason or another that you wanted to or would have worked or was ahead of its time or or anything like that that comes to mind? Um, no product, you know, that's one of the benefits of, you know, having it being
2: a family business mm-hmm. for all that, that time. And, um, you know, me me having a successful track record, um, was that if I wanted to make something, we made it. Yeah. Um, so there's not, <laughs> you're just like, yeah, we're making <laughs> that's right? Yeah, we're going to make it. Um, so there's not, not to say that I didn't have some flops, I had a few flops, but, uh, you know, um. But pretty much made
0: all the things that I wanted to make. Um, Chameleon boots, you know. Chameleon boots, Pete. My logos fell off. Oh right that yeah, that, that's one of that's definitely <laughs> on the flop list. Um,
2: now that wasn't a worthwhile idea, but it just yeah was a good product. <laughs> Um But uh, I would I don't know if I've mentioned it in the past, but um, one thing that. One thing that's kind of interesting in my mind is that the original, my original design for the zebra pant um, was actually black and white zebra with yellow um, as the only other color. Um, It was like big yellow panels and black and white zebra. And, you know, what we ended up coming out with was cyan, pink, uh, and then the black and white. Which is fantastic, but you know it would have been cool to. When I think about one design that I did that yeah. never saw the light of day. It was that it was that color combination, and um, was, we have we have the jersey. Oh, you do? Uh, oh. In, yeah, we have the jersey um, that was made. The sample of the jersey with the yellow, but there's the sample of the pant. I don't know where it is. You got to um, put that up um, on I, your. Inst- I'd love to see that. Put, it,
0: put the jersey up on your Instagram. We got to see that that would be so cool to see that. Yeah. Uh,
2: All right, I'm going to find I'm going to find the photo of the jersey and uh man I wish I had a sample of that pant. that would yeah. be so cool cause, and I remember, you know, I made the sample of the pant cuz you know, nobody thought we should make that zebra pant. Um <laughs> imagine you know. that, right? Everybody's <laughs> like, "No, that looks ridiculous. Don't make it." And you know, again, I had to like you know, I had to, you know, go out and campaign within the company to make some of these things sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, cause nobody wanted to make that zebra pant. So I took it. I re- still remember I took the zebra pant to mammoth mountain, um, because RJ was racing there. Yeah. And I remember showing it to RJ and one of the Simo brothers from no fear, uh-huh. uh, or life's the beach back then right. and, uh, saying, what do you think of this? And, and RJ said, Oh, that's cool. I'll, def- I'll wear that. And then, you know, and then I went home and I told my dad, and my brother, "Hey, RJ says he'll wear it, so we have to make it."
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's that like, like that was your marketing research? Hey, I took it to RJ. <laughs> we did. Uh, we did a huge market study on it. I took it to RJ at Mammoth.
2: But RJ was so cool. I mean, his style and everything. Yeah. It, it it wasn't just like you know. I mean, it was one thing to, for the guy to say that he'd wear it, because that, that makes it. But then the fact that R.J. was like, he he knew what was cool back then, you know? He was right. definitely a trendsetter, so it's, get him on board was huge.
0: It's funny, because people associate, and I think I do too, people associate those pants with Bradshaw in 89, but mm-hmm. R.J. wore yep. those at the USGP at Unadilla. That's where he debuted them, I believe, Um you know, he was yeah. kind of the original guy, and then he left in '89 for JT. But so we, a lot of us remember Bradshaw winning the Supercross title that year and that stuff. But you know, yeah, yeah, Bradshaw
2: wore it more than than RJ ever did. But yeah. uh, you know, again, back to that mammoth story. If mm-hmm. RJ had told me, "No, that's mm-hmm. funny, I'm never wearing that," they would have died. Yeah, yeah, um, good
0: point. Right? Exactly.
2: Yeah. Then um, I would have gone, oh, shoot, I'll never get Ricky to learn. Who's going to want to do with this idea? <laughs>
0: right, right. I imagine it was like Glover saying yes to the pink stuff that Gregory brought him for the uh, Miller Masters race. Yeah. You know, like, um, here you go. And then Brock's like, okay. And then that was it. It was kind of born that way, right? So, Yeah. Um, that was cool. <laughs> before we wrap here on the uh, Fly Racing uh, Racer X podcast, Pete Fox, um, the gear industry as a whole going forward um and i'm talking from uh paying the athletes to signature gear to team deals what do you think of it going forward from here is it going to be a situation where um you know the athletes deals are are rising and rising and, and gear gear companies are cutting more and more back or as i see it now pete more than ever, every gear company offers three, four, five different lines, and I would imagine it's because of the the price to produce. The cost has gone, the gear has gone down so much. But I don't know how where the state of gear is right now. What do you think? Um, yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, you know,
2: I definitely think that the state of gear the state of the sport is in transition the way that a lot mm-hmm. of the world um is in transition the way that the consumer is buying is changing and the way that um their buying patterns where they're buying from how often they buy um is all kind of transitioning and so I think there's some interesting things that um are probably going to happen whether mm-hmm people lead them to happening, or they just continue to slowly evolve. Um, you know, somebody takes a bold step and says, I'm going to go for it. Um,
0: right. But,
2: um, you know, the the thing that I'm thinking about a lot when it comes to the industry is the motorcycle, um, more about the motorcycle and where people are going to ride and what they're going to ride. Right. Right. Um, you know, um, whether are they going to be riding electric bikes or some other version of a bike and where are they going to ride? Cause that's, that's the biggest challenge that we're facing as an industry, right? Is um, mm-hmm. especially, you know, places like, you know, where all the population is, there's not too yeah. many places to ride. So
0: yeah, I always um, wonder, I always wonder about the industry packing up and moving to Montana or somewhere like that. You
2: yeah. Know what I mean, like, yeah, you're exactly, Yeah, that's a great point. Right. Um. Yeah, what are we all doing in California? Yeah. Um,
0: yeah.
2: But also, um, you know, the cost of riding uh, was tough. And, you know, I wish that there was, you know, sometimes I, I, I daydream about, you know, having some kind of an industry council that that talked about some of these sure. issues, you know. Yeah. Um can we all try to kind of work together to make it for a healthier industry? Um, before, you know, because yeah. it's nobody should think that this is just going to be going forever. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, there's a lot of things working against the, the sport and the industry. And so, you know, I think that it would be good to be uh, trying to get in front of some of that stuff. Um
0: yeah, I agree. I, I wish I, more on a, on a macro level. Uh, I follow the sport. I go to all the races, and I wish there was uh, some sort of committee talking about how, where are we going in our sport. Do we need more Supercrosses? Do we need more Nationals? Do we do do we need some revenue sharing going on for these teams that are you know barely making it, and um, you know some races are making a lot of money, and there's not a lot being down passed down to some of the athletes. I mean, we're heavily loaded. Mm-hmm we're loaded we're front loaded where five, six guys are making ninety percent of the money, and they should make most of the money because they're the winners they're the best at riding their dirt bike uh week to week, but mm-hmm. we're only as healthy as a full gate. you know what I mean, so things, yep. things that I talk about on my shows I'm just like, can does anybody look around and be like, "Wait a minute, like you know we can't afford to pay the winners you know three, four, five, six million dollars a year." Uh, because we're just going to end up with six or seven guys on the gate. Now granted, they again, they they're the best at riding their dirt bikes. They should win, but we got to be healthier mm-hmm. as as a sport as a whole.
2: Yeah, and that's a great point. I totally agree. Um you know, and also, you know, we you, you got to have a full gate, but if you also think about what the the gate of um riders represents and then you know you think about the guys that are trying to get on that gate those are a lot of those guys are actually con, are consumers you know mm-hmm. they're actually sure. spending money uh and spending a lot of money and and so we not only need them for the show of you know watching uh a, you know an exciting uh race but also we need them uh as consumers spending money um supporting the sport and the mm-hmm. industry so you know, uh, it would be great if there was some kind of a maybe. Maybe this podcast will help spark it. You know, um, some some committee that's bringing all of these different factors together, whether it's the promoters and the motorcycle brands and the apparel brands, all the key players, mm-hmm. and like, hey, what are some ways that we can really simply work together to just try to make this whole thing a little bit healthier? Um, you know, because right now everyone's, I think. Probably working in silo their own silo too much. Right. Um
0: Yep, I agree. Yeah. You
2: know, um when it doesn't seem like it would take much.
0: Last question at least start yeah talking. Get going, yeah. Start talking about it. It helps it helps it'll help me mm-hmm. out, it'll help Fox racing, it'll help fly racing, everybody. You know, we all a rising tide lifts all ships, right? So let's let's get talking. Mm-hmm. Um, um I, I'm always on beaks, so you guys release Fox released some limited edition uh, retro gear a few years ago. And remember the Henry Yogi stuff, like, at High Point in 95 or something? Um, mm, and, and yeah, it would have been 94. 94. anniversary, yeah. Sure. And then James wore some zebra stripe stuff. And I'm always telling Beaks. And apparently it all sells out. It all sells out super quick. There's a, And there was a 40th gear uh, that Dungy wore a couple times. And I'm always telling mm-hmm. Beaks, like, what are you guys doing? Sell that, and he—I remember Beeks, mm-hmm. and you can you can yell at him. But Beeks is like Pete doesn't want Pete doesn't want to like sell old stuff. He wants to look forward, and and, I, and I'm always like, no, sell the old stuff, Pete. Uh, okay, so that so he's misquoting me, I think. Okay, um,
2: or, or, some, or or somehow it's something somehow lost something's getting lost. Okay, because
0: because
2: my philosophy back originally was. Uh, and my brother was the same way in the early days. It's like, let's make some stuff that we don't sell um, because as fans, we always liked it when, you know, one of the other teams, especially, you know, again, when we were kids, we yeah. looked up to JT and what they did. And they always had some custom stuff that you couldn't buy. And we just thought that that was so cool. We uh-huh. I mean, It frustrated us, but. Like, it's kind of cool that you can't get it, right? Right, right. Um, And so we thought that way quite a bit in the early days. Like, hey, let's make some stuff. We're not going to sell. But now um, it's transition and and, uh, over the last, I don't know how many years, 10 years or something, just about everything we ever made, um, we sold. Um, Now I've noticed that, you know, some things are getting made that don't get sold, but, Mm -hmm. you know, that... I, so for me personally i i've completely switched i went from let's make things that we don't sell um to we should everything should be available um for sale um uh, so if something if you see something now that isn't available for sale it's not um don't blame it on me
0: no no i'm talking about <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm saying like the limited edition stuff it was for sale okay the ninety four stuff wasn't for sale but uh ryan yeah. Dungey wore some uh ryan Dungey kenny wore some um some almost retro 84 ish stuff uh it had red yeah. sleeves with the you know fox the fox head in the center um you yeah, did sell it you sold it in limited edition in limited quantities and, and according to beaks it sold out and i say yeah. sell that stuff 24 7 watch it fly off the shelf that's what i say.
2: Okay, so I think you and I are going to disagree on that. So <laughs> I think some of that stuff—it's just you know—it's just so much like more special. I want—I always okay. wanted it to be special, and so like you know,
0: ah, Pete, what do you what do you know about better. marketing, Pete? What do you know about marketing and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> Come on, no, all right, I get it. <laughs> I I just I love as it. As a
2: fan, yeah. or you know, as a fan, you, sometimes you don't want to think, oh, you know, all that. You know, it's uh, you. You would train people like so. Eventually, they go. Oh, it's not special. It's, I saw that stuff yeah, still sitting true. on the shelf somewhere. You
0: yeah, know? no, that's true. I get it. I just love it. I love it whenever you guys come out with it. You know, I just think it's so. Well, cool. then just make sure you get it o- your order. In. <laughs> exactly, right. I'll do that. Nice work. Uh, Fox Racings, Pete Fox, thank you for the trip down Memory Lane, man. I love it. Um, again, people listen back to the part one. I'll put a link in a lot of other great stories in there as well. Uh, we got to do a part three somewhere down the line, Pete, because I got a whole bunch more questions and, um, and, and and things that you have accomplished and your company has accomplished over the years are phenomenal and true truly icons in our industry. so uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it and um, yeah, thanks again, man.
2: Well, thank you very much. These are always really fun to do, and um, let's do the next one soon. Let's not not wait four years like this last one. (laughs) long.
0: it wasn't on me. I was emailing every now and then. (laughs) You're right. No, I take 100% of the blame on that for sure. Uh, Fantastic. Too much going on. Yeah, hey, you're a busy guy. I get it. Um, Fantastic. Thank you for your time, Pete.
2: All right. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends, such as... The bad boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down
2: and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side and the tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbick is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends and we've never talked since.
1: Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart... There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. I wasn't into it. If I wasn't gonna give 100%, I'm not gonna take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely
2: an emotional moment for me. Just thinking to myself, that's it, you know. And it's it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that you know that I was
1: gonna miss. The dogger, raw Machine.
2: Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying. It's like beating a dead horse you know and i know
1: from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did go circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i pulled
0: pick and i left every point counts I could kick myself to this day
1: for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My my ego got in the way, you know. The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you sit there if you didn't want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that
0: era I was in. I really do.
1: Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross
0: podcasts.